Welcome back to the G3 Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Bice, and today I'm joined by the Executive Director of Operations for G3 Ministries, Virgil Walker. Welcome to the G3 Podcast. Man, I'm always excited to join you, Josh. Glad to be here. Yeah, man. As we talk today, we're going to really talk about the G3 Church Network, but before we dive into that conversation, let's let's talk a little bit about the conference. We're just under 50 days mm-hmm. And uh, day by day, we're getting closer to the to the national conference. And there's so much that happens at this event. There's so many things, so many moving parts. But if you could put your finger on one specific key benefit to being in that room in Atlanta, what would it be? Well, I mean, there's there's it's difficult to boil down all the tremendous benefits down to one specific thing. But I, I will I will tell you, being able to be in one space where we have the fellowship that we engage in one with another, experiencing everything from worship together and and through music and uh, the worship of God through the preaching of the word, uh, the fellowship that takes place outside of the uh, of, of the main areas where, where there's all these one-off conversations. Um, and a lot of respects, this is like a massive family reunion for folks who are a part of G3 and have been for for coming up close to a decade. I mean, this is just kind of our our family reunion, our time to 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 recalibrate, to reconnect, to refocus on 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 God and uh, and just to enjoy each other's company. Man, I I absolutely cannot wait to see all the faces that are going to be in the place during this G3. Yeah, and as we think about, you know, just coming together for this event, it's sort of like you mentioned you know, just this gathering, this special, unique gathering in many ways, like a family reunion as we come together. Mm-hmm. And yet the, you, you really can't put a price tag on the sort mm-hmm. of relationships that are nurtured, some relationships that are built. I mean, we have singles that come every year. There's a number mm-hmm. of them. And I just continue to hear these stories and they meet their spouses at G3. Mm-hmm. So there's just a mm-hmm. lot of things that happen that are on the peripheral, uh, but again, w- I think one of the, the the things that excites me the most about the conference, beyond just the main session room, is two really important things. And and this is something that if you're a new attendee to the G3 conference, you're going to want to put emphasis on and pay close attention to. We're going to mm-hmm. be publishing this schedule soon, and you're going to want to pay close attention to what happens in that exhibit hall. You're going to want to watch what happens there. There are going to be all sorts of interviews that take place. There's going to be book giveaways. There are going to be fantastic deals that are going to happen as far as opportunities to build your library. Um, right. There's going to be um, connections that you're going to be able to make with organizations that will help you in gospel ministry. But also, there are breakout sessions and sometimes I think we put a lot of emphasis on just the person that's speaking in a plenary session. But what we need to remember is that every single person that is speaking at G3 is extremely important. And we have chosen these individuals uh, for the purpose of, of discipleship and for the purpose of Christian education and so we believe in these people, and we want these individuals to speak into your lives. And so don't ever underestimate a breakout session. 
sometimes yeah. we've had conversations. I know probably you have as well, Virgil. Sometimes we've had conversations where someone will say the takeaway for this conference for me happened in a in a breakout session room. Absolutely, I I, I concur. A couple of thoughts about about the breakout sessions, and 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 that is, I, I'd argue that there there are no small p preachers, right? <laughs> there are the, the the folks that are a part. If 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 there's someone that's been asked to be a part of a G3 conference. Uh, first of all, the level of, of vetting that goes on to make sure that they're sound uh, and robust, not only not only sound biblically, but robust in the proclamation and declaration of truth. Um, but, but I know these folks are bringing their very best to the G3 because they understand the standard of expectation uh, that is at play. But uh, needless to say, some of those intimate, more intimate spaces where, where a speaker can really kind of unpack a, a, a theological idea or, or some doctrinal uh, thought process that he has. And then for opportunities for one-offs, for Q&A or, or for a, a chance to maybe meet with that speaker are definitely in, in those smaller breakouts with, with in, the, in a more intimate setting. They, they really just lend themselves to wonderful opportunities. I love, I love both. I love hearing a, hearing a Paul Washer, you know, tear up the, the stage, uh, so to speak, uh, hearing, hearing a, a Stephen Lawson do the same. And again, you start naming one or two speakers, you end up having a name near about all of them because of the, the caliber and quality of, of who we bring to G3. But also in some of those breakouts, man, that, you know, some of the some of the speakers that that maybe uh, you want to hear in a, in a more intimate setting, they're 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 not leaving anything uh, left to the imagination. They're really unloading in those spaces. And so you definitely want to want to mark your time wisely and get to the ones that you need to hear for sure. Absolutely. So when we think about the the the, the, the connection points that are around the conference, the, the conversations that will be had, all of the overlap and in various different component parts, when you put all of that into perspective, it's really difficult to put a value mark on being in that room. So we have had tremendous fellowship and the opportunity of regathering with our brothers and sisters in Christ this year. Let's just talk a little bit, uh, Virgil, before we jump into the G3 Church Network conversation. Let's talk a little bit about the concerns related to covid um, so, you know, again, yeah. I want to be very clear. Um, if you come to G3 and want to wear a mask, I mean, look, that that's a personal decision. We're not going to shame anyone for wearing a mask, right? But at the end of the day, uh, we do not believe that it should be mandated that we uh, are forced to wear these masks. And so one of the beautiful things right now is that with all of the political controversy and all of the stuff spinning in the news, people are wondering, well, what about Atlanta? Is it safe to travel there? And number two, are we going to be forced to undergo all of these social distancing and mask mandate restrictions? One of the beautiful things, Virgil, is, is where we're positioned in Atlanta is literally right in the heart of the city. Like you couldn't get any more in the center mm -hmm. of, of the city of Atlanta. The World Congress Center sits on a piece of property that's exactly between like touches Mercedes Stadium on one side and Centennial Park on the other. Mm -hmm. And so it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a wonderful location. But with all of the progressive politics in the city, the good thing is, is that the World Congress Center is a state 
ran facility. So it's connected to the governor's desk, mm-hmm. which means that unless the governor were to uh, enact some sort of executive order that would force social distancing and mask mandates, then we're free to operate without them. And so I, I just want to speak to that because we have a lot of questions that have been uh, emailed to the office in recent days. The the secretaries, our team was talking about that yesterday. So any other words of encouragement on that front? No, I think I think you're spot on. I'm glad that you decided to address it. And uh, as it stands right now, there's no no mask mandate whatsoever, based upon again the the, the fact that we're under the auspices of the governor uh, there at the GWCC. And uh, man, I'm, I'm you know I, I know folks are are wondering about that, are anticipating what's next, and how do we operate? And uh, I think I think you I think you laid that up rightly. I, I think that's that's the that's the place that we want to land with regard to that. Josh, I know that the reason that we're here is to talk about the G3 Church Network uh, and the excitement that everyone has had uh, since we've talked about this and launched it. Um, It hasn't been but maybe a few weeks, uh, but the excitement level about what we're doing is is just mounting. Uh, The emails that I got uh, from the first day that we even discussed it uh, on a Zoom call uh, to now, I mean, it's just really been a buzz. And so I know there's a lot of questions around that. I know there are a lot of, uh, you know, folks who are wondering kind of what, what made you do that to begin with. And so I, I just want to kind of turn the table and, and just kind of ask you a, a number of questions regarding this, that, that I'm getting, that I'm seeing in my emails. I'm sure that you're seeing as well, uh, about the church network. And, and I want to start out here and just simply ask, you know, what was you, what was going through your mind, uh, surrounding the purpose of having a church network to begin with? What caused you to say, you know what, based upon what either I'm seeing in culture or what's needed or necessary, I think this is a great idea. So kind of, kind of speak to that a little bit. What caused you to, to, to think that this was, this was a great idea and, and to launch this G3 church network? That's an easy question to answer, Virgil. I mean, I think it's uh, two layers to the question, perhaps. Uh, the first would be um, that the heart of G3 Ministries is about obviously the glory of God. But when it comes to the components and what we do, we are a, a ministry that exists for the local church. And mm-hmm. so we we love the local church. We want to support pastors. We love pastors. We love uh, just being a part of and, and, and putting our energy and our focus and mindset on a day-to-day basis on how we can be a benefit to the local church in various contexts. Mm-hmm. And then when you think about the average church being, you know, somewhere about 75 members, um, that's a that's an important thing to consider because what you have is you have, you know, a lot of smaller churches across this nation and beyond. And they struggle to pay their bills, pay their rent. They struggle to compensate their pastors. And yet at the same time, they they need really good curriculum and literature mm-hmm. for their churches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So thinking about a couple of things, how we can benefit on a discipleship level, the local church was really at the heart of this decision. And then there's another layer to it, and the and the other layer, Virgil, is is about the progressive nature of evangelicalism right now. Mm-hmm. When you see the stream of politics flowing right into the pulpit, and then from the pulpit right into the pew, 
and you watch how um, churches are are being dismantled by progressive social justice movements and the agenda of critical race theory and other ideas and ideologies, that was also at the heart of this decision. How can we as a network encourage the health and the strength of other local churches and be an encouragement to pastors and then provide top shelf material that would enable that church to grow healthy and strong for the glory of God? That's really what sealed the deal for us. Wow. When you think about uh, just the two things you mentioned, um, you know, churches are averaging size-wise, you know, 75 to 100 members. A church of 250 members, that's actually a large church. Um, but most churches, you know, don't have the benefit of large budgets, multi-million dollar budgets where, you know, they can afford curriculum of all types. And and, and even the curriculum that's out there uh, at, at times are, are suspect. Uh, are infused with critical race theory and and other you know other left leaning ideologies that are really troublesome. So I can see why on that front you thought, hey, maybe we can provide something different there. But 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 again, for for those local churches, and again with the focus uh, of G three always having been the local church, I think this is an important important move uh, in the right direction. I'm I'm curious what your what your thoughts are. About you know how, how do you how do you de- how do you decide how do you determine who's going to be a part of this church network? I know that I know that there's some level of requirements that that have got to be met, but m- maybe you can speak to that for the f- folks who are listening, who are maybe learning about this for the first time, uh, or maybe hearing it again uh, and are trying to make decisions about next steps. What w- what would you what would you share with them? Yeah, so to be a part of this network uh, would require a couple of things. Um, you can go to the website and you can search uh, in our drop-down menu. You can look over and see there's a link to the G3 Church Network page, which would bring up all of these requirements, but also the application itself, which you could just simply work through in a systematic way and try to think it through. But uh, w- when it came to developing a network, what we wanted to do is try to figure out, okay, uh, the most important thing when it comes to something like a church network is the ability to stand firm and to not be blown from side to side by the different winds of culture, right? So mm-hmm. one of the ways you do this is you have a good, healthy, robust doctrinal statement. And what a doctrinal statement does, or a confession of faith, what it does is it serves as a flag in the sand, so to speak. You're, you're planting a stake, you're planting a flag, and you're saying, here's where we stand. Now, obviously, and if you know anything about the, the history of confessions, that, that it, it's not intended to be a full-on exhaustive, like every jot and tittle of what you believe, but it is a fantastic summary, and sometimes in a more exhaustive fashion, a longer form summary of where you stand on the big theological components. Mm-hmm. However, as it pertains to this specific network, we landed on the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, which provides a more long form, exhaustive summary statement of where we stand on key theological components. However, there are always room for sort of uh deviations on specific issues. 
And so when it comes to this application, we have provided an opportunity for a church that might not actually hold to the same exact specific uh, doctrinal issues related to, say, the Sabbath, for instance. Mm-hmm. And they might want to say, well, you know, we could sign this or affirm the 1689 if it maybe were phrased a bit differently on this specific article. And so we've provided an opportunity for the applicant to provide a qualification that would be brought to our attention for review. And so then at the point of of, of acceptance into this network, then it would be stated at the bottom of that specific uh, church uh, on, on the on the G3 church network map. If you clicked on it, you would see that qualification listed mm. that, that's specific to that church so that it's, that's good. it's clear, right? Yeah. Um, but that's, again, one of the requirements is that we would affirm the 1689 London Baptist Confession. But then some say, well, my church holds to the, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Mm-hmm. And so we can't be a part of the network. Well, that's actually not true. What we're asking is that the pastors of that church would be able to affirm, even if it's not the, the official doctrinal statement of the church, mm. they could affirm the 1689. And then, of course, there's another layer, of course. There's the statement on social justice and the gospel. We have asked for pastors to be able to sign that statement, uh, unless it's some sort of a violation of your conscience, to be able to sign statements like that, mm-hmm. to be able to say, here's where we stand. We're standing against this progressive social justice agenda that is really, in many ways, just uh, affecting the fellowship and disrupting the fellowship of various churches, institutions, and denominations within evangelicalism. So we mm-hmm. wanted to say, we we don't want that to be a part of this network mm-hmm. at any level. And then, of course, there's the financial commitment. In order for our team to be able to provide the sort of materials that we're aiming to produce on a year-to-year basis, and to provide that material for free, then we have to be able to you know, supply that that need financially. And so we've set the bar so low that some churches are going to give 500 as the, the, just the, the minimal commitment. And then we've heard other churches tell us, well, we're exiting the Southern Baptist Convention. We used to give X number of dollars to the cooperative program. So we're just going to give that to G3 Ministries to be able to supply good materials like this mm. to local churches. And so we're grateful for those, those commitments. But at the end of the day, we wanted to set the bar so low that even that small church that we talked about earlier right, right. could be able to be a part of this network. Yeah, that's that's really good. So you've got the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. The beauty of that is, again, the opportunity for those who where that that may not be their their statement of faith or their or, the, or everyone's in doctrinal agreement as a as a church. There's room for them to articulate within the uh, within the application what their thoughts are about a particular issue. So broad enough for for others to to join in, but yet specific enough to say at the end of the day, this is what we affirm. This is what we believe. And then I, I'm I'm so glad that you made the decision to add the statement on social justice and the gospel. 
um, because again, with all of the cultural issues that that are that are at hand, um, you know, this is this is an important issue. This is an important place to stand. I, I will say, man, when I think about the left, I think about progressive Christianity. They have no problem stating where they stand. Uh, they really don't. And, and again, those of us who, who who stand on biblical sufficiency and biblical orthodoxy, we've got to be willing to do uh, the same to the degree that, uh, that that those who we oppose are, are willing to do what they're doing on on their end. So glad to see that. Also, the financial commitment, though, you know, it, you know, it's a it's a small amount from a standpoint of a of a small church. It, it's still for everyone. I think every dollar is important, <laughs> regardless of of how small that figure may be. It, it's small. It's small when it comes out of your pocket, but big when it comes out of mine. If if you know if you're if you're not careful, so uh, man, glad to see though that that there is a commitment there. There is a there is something that affirms the uh, hey, we're willing to stand by this. This is where we're putting money and dollars and resources, time and energy. So all of those things are, are really good. One of the things that you touched on that I want to circle back on is uh, you mentioned kind of, kind of the SBC. Now, does someone in order to join do they have to leave? the SBC in order to be a part of the church network or can they, can they, you know, kind of have dual membership or what, how, what, what does that look like? How does that flesh itself out? Yeah. I mean, we, we've heard, you know, conversations circling and I'm, I'm quite certain that before it's all over that we're going to be, you know, put in the crosshairs at some point as being completely against the SBC and that that's, that's the purpose of this network is to disrupt the SBC. That's not, what we're after at all, actually. Um, we're actually seeking to form a church network that would allow us to serve God with joy mm. and with with wonderful fellowship across the board with other pastors and to engage in great ministry projects, really in some ways, without having to wear a paper sack over our heads with shame. You know, right. we, we don't want to be ashamed to identify with a church network. And it shouldn't be that way. But um, once again, you do not have to exit every other network that you're involved with. If you're going to remain in the SBC, well, again, you can still be a part of the G3 Church Network. Mm -hmm. um, there are churches that are fully committed to stay in the SBC and fight the fight. There are many others that this year with with all of the election of Ed Litton, the ongoing plagiarism scandal, uh, the ongoing social justice issue, the unwillingness to name CRT in official language as that the SBC stands against it. I mean, all of these things were literally the breaking point for a lot of churches, and they're like, we're done, we're out. And so mm -hmm. we understand that. But the question that you ask and that you raise is a very important question, because can you be a part of multiple networks? Mm -hmm. And the answer is yes, you can. And mm -hmm. in, some, in, in some ways, that can be a healthy thing. For the church that wants to stay in the SBC and fight for health and purity, well, then the G3 Church Network can help in that way. Um, but for, say, the church that's completely separated from the SBC— can that church be a part of multiple different groups? And the answer, of course, is yes. And I think that that can actually be healthy at times as well. So, for instance, we have very close friends within the Master's Fellowship, and I think it would be healthy for, for pastors that are a part of the G3 Church Network. If your church is connected with this network, if you as a pastor want to be connected with and, and uh, in, engaged with 
the master's fellowship, we think that that's a good thing. And so we want to point pastors to the master's fellowship. And it's one more opportunity of connecting with with like-minded pastors and to be able to engage in gospel ministry. So again, this is not a network that requires that we be only committed to the G3 church network. It's not mutually exclusive, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. Absolutely. I, I love that that folks can can process their decision moving forward, right? They can think through, because again, I, I'm, I'm grateful that there are a lot of church pastors, though they may be disappointed with what they're seeing uh, a, a particular denomination engage in. They're 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 making their moves in thoughtful ways. They're not knee jerk, you know. They're not having a knee jerk response to what they're seeing, but that requires time, time to process. While on the other hand, they see what we're doing with the G three Church Network, and their thought is, I, I definitely want to be a part of that because that's going to provide the resources I need, um, man. The, the the curriculum that I need, uh, it's going to be a, a place of fellowship and and the like. And so that that would be where I'd want to be. T- Talk to us a little bit about how how this is this is a, the G three church network. It's it's more than just church mapping, right? It's more than just a church directory, right? It's more than just hey, okay, they've got a directory, so I can find a church that 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 looks like this. It, there's more to it. There's more benefit in being a part of of the of the G three church network than just simply a, a dot on a on a map. Kind kind of speak to some of the benefits that that come with being a part of the network. Yeah, the dot on the map is is important from just a, a searching out of you know various regions, people moving about. If if there are mm-hmm. people that are moving out of state for job transfers or whatever it might be, I mean, in recent days, Virgil, we've been seeing people you know get on airplanes and and move just to be a part of our local church here. Mm-hmm. And so that same thing, people are just tired of living in cities where it's progressive politics one hundred and one. And they're mm-hmm. just being, you know, beat over the head with this and their children are being impacted. And they're just like, you know what? We don't have to live here. We can actually move. And so we've had a couple of families recently that have moved uh, from from far away just to be connected to our local church here. And that same thing could be true for other local churches as well as this network continues to expand. But beyond the little dot on a map, as you put it, um, the fellowship that will be had with the pastors is extremely important. And Mm -hmm. so we're going to put emphasis on that. So like beginning next year in the off year, yes, we're going to be rolling out some regional conferences, but we're also going to plan a G3 church network retreat for pastors. And it'll be for the pastors that are a part of this network to be able to come together and we'll We'll highlight one specific doctrine, and then we'll just unpack that together, rub shoulders. You see, pastors need other pastors. And one of the ways that we can be an encouragement to other men is to come together and talk about the complexities of, you know, leading a church. A lot of people don't realize if, you know, if if they're ignorant, if they think that their pastor just plays golf all week and then throws a couple of sermons, you know, together uh, for the Lord's Day. That's not what pastoral ministry looks like. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this man is, is you know, hopefully working with a, a group of pastors, a plurality of elders, and so he can share that responsibility. But there's all sorts of decisions that are having to be made. You know, the nature of church membership, how you receive 
uh, members into the local church, so the front door matters, how members are excommunicated from the church, so the back door matters. Uh, you have elements of fencing the Lord's table, church discipline. You have issues related to expositional preaching mm-hmm. uh, and, and all sorts of things, children's ministries and youth ministries and the the ministry philosophy of a church, how we sing, how we worship. Do you have a liturgy? Do you not have a liturgy? Well, all churches do. It just it just really boils down to the question: Is it man centered or God centered? Is it is it shaped like the culture or is it shaped like the gospel? And so, there's all sorts of things that need to be worked through. And so, the beauty would be for us to take a doctrine like, say, church discipline, for instance, come together for a weekend, circle up, spend time together. Uh, have some specific lessons that are taught or preached, and then have time over meals and opportunities in a more casual retreat sort of setting, not like a true on conference setting, to where we can just spend time in coffee conversations in the evening, morning breakfast, pray together, and then talk about the the actual need of our local church. And I think that that's going to be massively beneficial to pastors. Yeah, absolutely. I man, I'm glad to hear that that we're doing that with the G3 Church Network. Um, I, one of the things that you, you when you mentioned, you know, the idea of of talking about issues like membership, uh, the front door matters, and you know, uh, having the having the uh, thinking about church discipline and, and having an idea and a thought process about that. It's incredibly important. I remember as a as a young uh, discipleship pastor at my church, we were we were t- discussing the issue of membership and trying to trying to add value to what that is. And again, apart from having men who thought through that process uh, to sit down and, and walk through a, a, a biblical framework for membership and why it's important and what it means to a, a, to a family, uh, and and. We're seeing the impact of that here, at, definitely at Praise Mill. Uh, but but for the pastor who's out on his own, on an island, so to speak, maybe doesn't have uh, resources like a like a church network or even elders in place. These kinds of conversations, though they seem uh, mundane, are critically important in the life of of pastoral uh, leadership. It really, really is. I I, I think about that for for myself. I. I one of the things that you talked about when you mentioned folks who are flying from all across the country to kind of come uh, here to to Praise Mill, uh, I, I see more and more of that coming, Josh. I, I really do. I see more and more people who are serious about their faith, who open the Bible and take it seriously, beginning to restructure their lives around ch- around the church. And around what it means to be a part of a biblical church, and, and and when when you think about the seriousness of of a decision like that for family, how much more important is it for a pastor who's shepherding the lives of of, of people to be connected with a church network that's providing proper biblical resources so that they can be properly equipped to navigate that? I think this is just the the, the right time, and given the nature of of what's going on. I want you to speak to another issue uh, regarding this, and, and that's the issue of, of kind of church planting and missions. And, and I know we've we've talked about this uh, in the past, and I know that there's questions around, okay, well, what do we do if we were, you know, giving in missions in this way, and we're not really, you know, 
agreeing with what we see happening on the mission field in a particular de denomination and, and, and what they're putting out. And do, can we give to the G3 Church Network? What are your plans around that? What about church plants? And, the, I, and I know just from conversations that we've had, there's a lot of interest in that. What, can, can you speak to that a little bit about how, how you'd view that, maybe how the church network would, would try to handle that or deal with that? Yeah. So when it comes to the, the relationship between the churches in this network, it will not be that you just put all of your money in this basket and then we're just going to use it as we so desire. Mm. We will publish projects that will be you know, available for the entire network to engage in. So, for instance, the network will not plant churches, but churches will plant churches. And so that's the way that church planting works. And so if we, just like this past weekend, you know this, we had a family that met with us that, um, and some other individuals that, that are interested in, in a church plant north of Nashville, okay? Mm -hmm. So if we as elders in our local church determine that this is a project that we're going to undertake— then we can go through this process of setting this up and engaging in this in this need in this geographic need and then trying to work it out but we can also publish this and explain it within the network and then allow for other churches to get involved in this process mm. it, it, you know and sometimes that can be a bit sticky i mean if churches aren't exactly lined up doctrinally speaking or from a ministry philosophy standpoint however that's the beauty of a network where we're drawing some some key lines in the sand from a doctrinal yeah. standpoint from the beginning, because mm -hmm. we know that we're probably all going to be able to work together at some level to begin with. And so, again, these projects will be optional projects, but if you want to engage and another group of elders wants to engage there too, then we can do great things when we partner together. Let me just mention this. We're also going to be as you mentioned about missions, we're going to be uh, publishing for the network a schedule of like special giving opportunities. And we're going to provide a missions gift opportunity for us to collectively give. And then we're going to give that money to like Heart Cry Missionary Society is going to be one of our partners. So we're going to give money to that organization to help fuel church planting and missions from an international standpoint. And so that's one of the things that we're going to be committed to. But, you know, when you're talking about this just a moment ago, when you're talking about the importance of working together, my mind automatically goes to this idea of like the local Baptist association. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that local Baptist association, you have the area missionary and an office with a secretary and some resources, some books, and maybe some some different things that they can, you know, use uh, within the context of, say, a, a regional area of, say, 40 to 60 churches. Mm -hmm. And then that area missionary will visit around, you know, through the year to these churches and, you know, try to try to really encourage the interaction between the churches in that specific region to do, quote unquote, ministry. Mm -hmm. Well, in many ways, that old... Uh, associational uh, network sort of grid is really an outdated model because it was it was really organized before the modern technological boom. And so now we have the ability to connect in a network that has sort of a wider footprint, if you will. 
and mm-hmm. through Zoom meetings and through uh, pastors retreats and national conferences, we can overlap in many of the same ways that we would have done, say, back in the 1950s or 60s in, a, in an area regional association. And so one of the beautiful things about this network is the ability for us to get together, to break bread together, pray together, and then engage in specific ministry projects. And that's one of the things that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, and that's really good. I, I'm I'm looking forward to what that looks like down the road with with the folks who've already kind of signed up and signed in and become a part, uh, decided that they wanted to become a part of the G3 Church Network. And I know you're going to be vetting uh, and walking through all of the applications here, and you know, in the next few days, and and kind of reaching out to the first handful of folks who've who've uh, decided that they want to be a part of the church network. Let me just simply ask you as we begin to kind of wrap things up: is you know what do you see vision wise? What do you see long-term maybe over the course of the next, you know, six to 12 months uh, as people are beginning to jump on board? I mean, uh, what kinds of things are you excited about seeing happen uh, here in the short term uh, as things begin to unfold for the, for the G3 church network? Well, again, I think one of the, the, the things that encourages me again, is just my heart for other pastors is to see us be able to spend time together and pray for one another to be able to have, you know, some some brothers, you know, develop a brotherhood mindset mm-hmm. about this mm-hmm. network where there are real spiritual men who have, uh, you know, strong backbones that will stand with you, stand alongside you, and that you can can actually count on, on these men to be praying for you. And you can yeah. you can count on these men to be going before the throne of God on uh, on your behalf mm-hmm. uh, and and praying for your church. And, and this is really encouraging because ministry is so difficult and, you know, we really need one another. We need to be developing these, these, these critically important and valuable friendships mm-hmm. uh, across the board with other pastors. The competition mindset is unbelievable within mm-hmm. evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that goes from ministry to ministry or from, you know, local church to local church. It's just, mm-hmm. it's astounding to me to watch men who should be supporting one another really try to compete with one another and to watch churches do the same thing. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's an unbelievable trap to fall into. So for us to get together and, and show one another that we genuinely care, take time to talk out problems, pray for one another. So to develop this brotherhood, I think over the next year, we're going to see that strong connectivity and that bond of brotherhood that's going to develop and it's going to be something of great value. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited, man. When I, when I think about the, the, the resources that you've acquired as a result of the, of the, the ministry of G3 and, and the relationships that you've developed, uh, you know, around the country and, and literally around the world, as a result of of the of G3 its conferences and its ministry moving forward i can't think of a better place for someone to to hitch up than than they would be able to do with with the G3 church network i mean that's kind of the, that, that's one of the reasons why i made the decision to move uh, when I looked at the landscape of of culture, and I thought, okay, uh, you know, life is short. Uh, there's only so much work that can be done, and who do I want to connect myself with? It was it, it was a no brainer for me to link up uh, when the opportunity presented itself with G3. I'm certain that that'll be the same for these pastors as they examine what God has has 
has commissioned them to do in their local church. Uh, and, 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 but at the same time, they have a desire to leverage resources and relationships that have been acquired through, through almost a decade now of G3 ministries, almost a decade uh, of G3 uh, church ministry. So that, again, I'm excited about it. I'm going to turn things back over to you for the very last word of it all. But man, I, I cannot wait to see what God has in store for the days to come. And I'm, I'm really grateful to be a part of it. So thanks for that. Absolutely, Virgil. Always a pleasure to have you on and to talk and to think through ministry and ministry components. And of course, the G3 Church Network is going to be one more uh, wonderful arm of G3 Ministries. And we, we would love to have you connect with us if you're interested in more information about this very ministry and this opportunity. You can find that on our website at g3men.org. You can also find all of the archives of this very podcast on that website as well. We're grateful to partner with you in gospel ministry for the glory of God and long to see you. Look forward to to reconnecting with you as we gather with some 6,000 attendees from around the world, some 20 plus pastors and preachers and musicians, and yet one gospel the gospel of Jesus Christ. We look forward to singing the gospel together and to enjoy the rich preaching and fellowship around God's word. And so just a few days away, if you haven't registered for the 2021 G3 National Conference, you can do that as well as there are limited seats available. Go ahead and secure your seat at g3men.org. And until next time, may God bless you. We'll see you next week on the G3 Podcast.